so often in fundraising, I see fundraisers or executive directors try and sort of like tiptoe or walk on eggshells around donors for fear of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing and jeopardizing their funding. And this has created what I think we can all agree is a fairly unhealthy dynamic in our sector. And the good news is that people are aware of it and we're having conversations and we're starting to think about how we can change that dynamic. And so today we are going to be talking about just that. And my guest and friend Rakesh Lakani has coined this honest fundraising and I'm so excited to dive in. My name is Cindy Wagman, and I'm your host of the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we bring you practical, down-to-earth advice on how to get more done for your small nonprofit. You are going to change the world. We're here to help. So with that, it is a true pleasure to invite Rakesh to the podcast. Uh, He's the current ED of Future Possibilities for Kids. um, And I love the things he shared with me to share with you, um, because I think they're so emblematic of his character. Uh, He's lovingly critical of the social good sector. And he calls himself a work in progress. And I just think that that is so true of all of us, but very rare for us to admit it. Uh, So Rakesh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Cindy, it's great to be back. It's so, I always love chatting with you. And I love that you've coined this term, honest fundraising. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to be thinking and talking and presenting on this topic? Yeah, yeah. So I I may, you know, I'm not sure necessarily if I coined it or not, but I haven't really seen it being that that specific phrasing being used a lot. I haven't either. um, So I'm saying you're coining it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's. It's, you know, we've had a lot of discussions before about, uh, in, in last while in particular, around dynamics and power dynamics with donors and uh, people with wealth and influence and the charity sector and our role and our roles as fundraisers and, and nonprofit and charity leaders. And so we've been having a lot of those discussions. And a lot of that has circled around how much can we say to donors and, and address things as they come up when a donor, for example, uh, presents a bad behavior uh, or something along those lines. It's like, how do we address that? And there's a lot of layers in there. That's kind of been discussed quite a bit. This is a little bit of a different uh, space on that because I'm not necessarily talking about when a donor you know, has bad behavior, how are we, we going to address that? It's a little bit different. It's more, um, when I say honest fundraising, it's not that we've been dishonest, but there are specific things that we have been withholding from donors um, and proactively sharing with them that are keeping things the way they are. And mm-hmm. we're, we're wanting all this change. We're wanting donors to invest in the space differently and have a different relationship. And we're, we're holding back on some of these conversations that we're all having amongst ourselves and, and we're not having with donors. And so like, well, how are we going to expect them to understand and change what they're doing if we, as the folks who are living this day to day, aren't letting them into that a little bit more? So what I think honest fundraising, again, it's not to say we've been dishonest. It's just maybe we haven't been sharing the full truth and experience of what it actually takes to do some of this work and what's actually going to help our organization do the work that the donor is intending to, to want to support. Yeah. Okay. As as soon as you said that, some things came to mind for me that I feel like, again, it's not that it's dishonest, but it's not the full picture. So 
where organizations spend like all this time figuring out your donation of $35 will do this ish uh, or um, matching gifts, right? We all know that the matching donor is going to give their amount regardless how much we raise. So those are just like from my experience, things that come to mind, but I would love to hear from you other examples of, I, I love that, like of not including donors in the full conversation or keeping like how these behaviors are keeping things status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of different components. Definitely what you identified is these impact statements. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the issue we have in our space, I think a lot of times is what uh, it works. Right. And so I think that that in itself is a very dangerous framing because we're like, but it works. There's an assumption that doing it another way won't work. And there's, there's, when you're, when you're saying that it works, are you factoring in like the total, you know, gain and, and, and also the harm, right? Cause often it's like, when you run an event, you're like, we raised a hundred thousand dollars, but we spent 60. Well, you raised 40 then, you know what I mean? Like that's the, that's the net and that's fine. Celebrate that. But it's just, it's not the, again, that's another example of honest fundraising. It's like if a gala event, uh, we should look at net costs. So same thing with, yeah, with, with, uh, with donors and talking about, let's say matching gifts, where we say, we're going to have a matching gift up to $50,000 will be matched when the, the, the donors already committed that amount. And, and then people give 150,000 and that last hundred thousand doesn't know who was matched, who wasn't. And we're not exactly sharing that with them and saying, Oh, by the way, that's been cut off. The, the matching gift is done necessarily. We're not always doing that. And if the money was going to come anyways, what if we only raised 25,000, are we only getting a $25,000 match? We know that's not true. So those are those are on one you know one space and the impact statements for sure. How much does it cost to do this or do that? It does maybe work in some cases, but number one, is it commoditizing social good in a negative way? And and those numbers change and fluctuate. I know from running an or we actually stopped doing that now. And we explained to our uh, fundraising volunteers too that here's why we're we're changing it and we're going to stand by that. And maybe we lose a couple of gifts, but I think we're going to uh, gain in other ways. So. I'm kind of thinking more along the lines of, okay, so we always say we want unrestricted gifts. We want multi-year commitments. And, and we, we might say that to donors sometimes, but are we, are, we, are we really having that deep conversation about, hey, uh, here's what it takes to run an organization. When you restrict a gift in this way, here's all the things we have to do internally that go along with that, that literally take away from the work. I'm not mm-hmm. saying we're not going to be accountable, but like, you know, this term mission-based funding is one that we've really been using a lot in our org too, is like, support everything we do, including all the things that enable the, the, the direct sort of quote unquote direct programming work. So I think when you have that conversation, my experience in having this with a lot of donors is maybe the first couple of times I was wincing a little bit, I'm like, okay, how are they going to receive this? I still got to do this. I'm not saying anything against them. I'm just telling them, yeah. here's my reality. Here's our reality. They're like, why has no one said this before? These are donors who donate to like a lot of different organizations in many cases. And yeah. they're like, no one's ever told me this. So we're missing this opportunity uh, to bring them on the inner circle of like, hey, you really want to understand our work? I'm going to tell you what no one else is telling you. It's, it's a bit of a differentiator in a way too. They're like, they've told me, I appreciate you sharing this with me because now I know how to best invest in the organization. Not everybody goes for it, but there are those that do. And then we get a little bit closer to some of these, these broader goals that again, you and I talk about and other people, we talk about it on Twitter or social media. We want unrestricted gifts, but here's a literal moment with somebody who can make a decision differently based on that conversation. Yeah. yeah. I love that too, because again, so often our sector frames this as a difficult conversation or like, you know, having, um, 
that, and again, we've set up this power dynamic that we're on opposite sides of our donors. But in what you've talked about, it really feels like we're on the same side and we're just having to, to sort of like pull back the curtain a little bit. I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, your experience doing this because you have been doing it. Um, and I think just for most people, getting started is the hardest step, right? It's like figuring out that like, what's, what's the like first mini, mini step that you need to take to like get on that same side as the donor. So how do we start these conversations? Is it one-on-one? Is it in writing? Is it like, how do you go about making these changes? That's a huge question, but start where you want. (laughs) No, but see, this is, this is, this is, I think a piece that whenever we talk about issues, in our space is often we have a lot of, uh, you know, leaders and fundraisers who actually agree. They just don't know where to get started. They're like, literally, what do I actually say in this conversation? What do I actually do? And then it just becomes overwhelming and you just go back to what you were doing. And I get it with everything that's on our plates. Uh, But I mean, a couple of things is um, one is maybe go through an exercise with your team, right? Uh, Or yourself as a starting point. What are all the things you wish that donors knew about the work that you do? Not what you wish Mm -hmm. you could say to donors. It's a little different. What do you wish that they knew? And write it all down and say like, what are the realities of everything that happens within this org that they're probably sheltered from and to honestly coddled in many cases. We're like, we have to only share the good. We have to only tell them all the good things that are happening because we want to, but I mean, you know, if, if, if they're looking to go down this journey, then you have to, you have to like see them, as you, as you said, as someone who's trying to do good within the org. So by not letting them know this, in some ways, I feel like we're doing a disservice. So write down all the things you wish they knew, then get started. Like, But maybe start in a more, quote unquote, safer spot. Maybe start with some donors that are close to you. Maybe start with some board members. Maybe start with some annual donors who you know are like, you know, like, so just say, hey, and even and even tell them that. Say, look, we've been, we've been kind of like, there's a lot of things we wish people knew about our work, but we just haven't felt like people would be interested or, you know, they might not want to give it anymore or whatever. Can I share some of those with you and tell me what you think and just like run it by them. And then number one, first of all, that person's going to, you know, you bring you closer to the organization, bring them closer, but they're also in that conversation may already say, Oh, wow. I realize I'm not even doing that. So can, can we talk about my giving? I'm like, well, of course we can. I'm not, I'm not trying to manipulate them, but I think start where it's sort of safe. Um, and then I think just make it a, a practice. Like in every conversation we're going to think about something you can share with a donor and work it in, uh, to, you know, in a certain way to, so that they advance their learning. Cause it doesn't happen overnight, but what is one thing you can bring into a conversation um, that will help them move closer to being a, someone who really understands what's going on and not that here's that person over there. They're giving money to us. We have to treat them, uh, give them red carpet treatment, treat them like royalty. And we're over here doing all this work. It's like, no, no, no. Like we gotta, we gotta fix that. And, and as much as we can rebalance the scales a little bit. So I think that that's, that's uh, some couple ways, ideas I had or what's worked for me to get started. I love that. I want to go a little deeper, but I also want to point out, I think this is clear already, but it just has been sitting with me is like, we are equally responsible for holding up those power dynamics that we are quick to criticize in how we, in avoiding moving forward with this. And so I just want to leave that out there, but I'd love to hear a little bit about, um, you, you know, you, you said your fundraising appeals, you've taken out that like your donor donation of this, well, that those impact statements, how has that gone? 
Like, and, and what did you replace it with? I think people really need to see, oftentimes we can't believe something until we can actually picture it in our minds. And actually, if we can link to some examples of stuff that you've done uh, in our show notes, I'd love to include that because again, like so often we're taught over and over and over again in their sector. Those impact statements are best practice um, that we haven't, we don't have good alternatives as role models. And I'm a huge believer in like, let's not create everything from scratch. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what it actually is like to frame it differently, frame that ask differently? Yeah. I mean, and like speaking from, the experience of doing this for sure, because that's, I couldn't, I won't, wouldn't feel right coming on here and saying, well, we haven't actually tried it. Um, I have to be honest about the impact statements piece. Uh, we haven't replaced it with any, with that particular piece. Like when you go to the website and you donate, it doesn't, something else doesn't come up, but we're working on that. It's like, how can we position this and say, no matter mm -hmm. what amount you give, you're going to be supporting all these different things and, and, and proudly saying we have an office proudly saying we pay for, we have a, a lease on our printer and here's what we do with it. Proudly saying all those things. And not that we're justifying that we're, we're actually saying this is what it takes to run an organization. If you don't understand yeah. that, then, then you're right. We play a role in that and not, and then not. So we're still figuring out what to replace that with, uh, but we've taken off the impact statement piece for uh, more direct conversations with foundations and donors. What that's looked like is, um, now, I have to say that in one way, I did have a blessing because I had an opportunity. One, uh, we had a growth strategy. We had a big grant that came in to kind of lead us off. And then uh, another funder was kind of interested in supporting. And uh, it was kind of this like, what was support growth? And me with my usual habits was like, well, we're looking to grow this program in this way. You can invest this much to support this much programming, whatever it was. And uh, they're like, well, what is it? What's going to support that growth that other people you know, may not know about? And so I said, okay, well, I, I, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to give you two proposals. One is the typical kind of programmatic one at this amount. The other is all the things that no one else is funding, but I know we need and are going to help us grow. And that was a full-time fundraising staff, a new website, uh, investment in our CRM system. Uh, we didn't even like have that in place yet because we didn't have the funding and capacity. So now we can get out extra. So I just, I just made the wishes. I just put it all down. Yeah. And we got a three-year, $250,000 commitment to invest in ourselves. And that's been a huge reason why we've been able to stay. Now, I know that's different than unrestricted, but it's still, it's still being the honest conversation. If I had not done that, I said, no, no, like this is, you know, I could tell you these things, but if I said, no, I'm going to take the initiative and just give you an entire proposal telling you why these things will help. And they were like, you know what, if you do, if we do these things, then you can go raise more money and be more sustainable. So if that was a really, really critical moment for us. And that was a pretty significant gift for an organization of our size too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it sounds like these conversations have been going well for you. Fair to say? I think so. That was, that was just one of a, of a few and others have, yeah, yeah. They've, they've been, they've, they've, they've like, I think it raised a bit of eyebrows sometimes because they're like, but, but what about this? But what about that? Don't you have anything new or growth things that you're investing? And I'm like, when you invest in this, you're investing in, the current and the growth and the infrastructure, you're doing it all and you'll put us in the best position to be able to do these things. So mm -hmm. it is, I would say so far, it's, I've never, I haven't had anybody telling me I'm not giving to your organization as a result. They may not get it and it may not change their behavior, but no one's been like, you know, forget it, we're leaving work. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, I love that. And yeah, you don't have to change everyone, right? I think so often we see, in our line of work, like we want to change the world and the world is a lot of people. And we think like we are used to working at 
systems levels for things. Some, sometimes we can't see that like systems change through individuals and individual change. So I love that. Um, and it doesn't have to be like what I'm hearing from you is you can take a step towards this and it doesn't have to blow up your world. <laughs> Fair. Oh, no, absolutely. No, like I don't, I don't think it will. And like I said, every single person, well, not every single, every single person who ended up changing their behavior in addition to doing that also expressed gratitude for, yeah. for us telling them the truth. They almost like, they're kind of like, what are other charities not telling us that? Right. And it kind of like, like if we're really trying to build trust uh, to me, trust is built to the good times and the bad, to the, to the vulnerability. And so I, I, I have to say Cindy, in all this too, though, like maybe some folks, let's say frontline fundraisers in particular may not feel like they have the space to have these convos because of the impact it might have on giving. And I think that is a whole other, maybe that's a whole other podcast we got to do, but there, we, you also have to be in an environment. Right. And I have to mm -hmm. acknowledge that I'm the ED. So I can, I can do these things and not have to like check in with all these folks. But if you're in an organization, you got to report to a, a manager, a director, a VP or CDO or CEO, whatever it is, right. ED. And like they, you need to know that they have your back and whatever happens in the conversation that they're going to support you, even if it means you may lose a gift because they believe in it. I would understand totally how fundraisers sometimes still don't feel like they can have conversations because they were like, I'm incentivized based on how much I bring in. I'm in yeah. I, I may get in trouble if we lose this donor. And so then there's almost this disincentive to do these things too. So I think this also speaks to like a more kind of environmental issue that we operate in and a management leadership issue that has to be addressed to enable this as well. But that's mm -hmm. like probably a whole other <laughs> conversation. Well, if that's you, if you're a fundraiser listening to this, share it with your ED. <laughs> because I think that we, most people who are listening to this, I think, understand that we are not shy about um, articulating our values uh, in this podcast and in, in the work that we do, um, that this is something that collectively, I think we need to be moving towards and do, we will do our sector justice by having, by making these steps, right? I can't tell you how, uh, it, or like I just saw uh, someone post about war amps. I think they're still called war amps. I don't know if that's even like an appropriate term anymore, but uh, where they send you the key tags in the mail and uh -huh. part of their appeals, like we don't pay fundraisers uh -huh. and we don't have these costs and stuff uh -huh. yet. They're sending you these stupid little key tags to make you feel guilty or whatever. I'm like, that is hurting the sector. And I love your thoughts just on like, how is this let, taking it outside of your organization? How do we start to actually build the sector that's going to change the world and we, in the ways we need it to? Yeah. I mean, I definitely have saw that, that there was a tweet actually, so I'm going to take a screenshot and every single thing on there was the kinds of things, you know, that you saw very commonly and still actually still see a lot of people talking about, you know, it sounds like 20 year old, 20 years ago fundraising where we're actually trying to like win donors over. And again, the worst part is it may, it probably works. It works. Like that, it works. I literally, yeah. I saw that photo on yeah. Twitter. I yeah. took the same photo yeah. almost 10 years ago. Yeah. exact same yeah. photo yeah. they haven't changed yeah. even their creative it is it is there so i mean okay so i had this analogy metaphor i used to use before where i talk about you can't be you can't take delight in another charity having a scandal or something like ah, okay good so they're good some more for us there's like this i see it as like a block of cheese probably a hard cheese 
<laughs> and there's I like this cheese. shaver. We love, we love cheese. Who doesn't like, you know, unless you're like intolerant li- or vegan, I, I get it. But like, you you know, you can shave every time something bad happens in the sector, you shave a small bit of trust off. Mm. So I always see it that in this way, what they're doing there is shaving a little bit of that kind of like, they're making it a little bit harder for everybody else because now people are like, well, this organization does pay funders. So they must not be good because this charity is bragging about. It. So I'm like, I completely, I do not agree with that because it's, it is a disservice. So on the flip side, as you're saying, well, first of all, I believe this honest fundraising is good for your own soul because you don't feel like I'm not being my own self in here. Like I want to tell you all these things, but I can't. So number one, two, within your org, you become again, more real and more open. And it does lead, I mean, from our experience, it's led to some really important results. Like I'm talking like, like for our org, we're about $850,000, $900,000 organization. And I'm talking like, hundreds of that, like, this is, this is a lot of money that we've raised with these kinds of conversations that we would have got, but it would have been a much harder, um, it would have been restricted over this work, but the juggling of act, I can't, I don't want to get into that, but everyone who, who does that knows for the sector, let's say we have this conversation with a donor and they understand it and they change their behavior. They're hopefully one going to go do that with other orgs they work with too. say, Hey, look, I have this chat with this other group. Do you, are you experiencing the similar things? You know what? I'm going to unrestrict my gift with you as well. I've actually seen those types of things happen where they, they take that behavior others. So that's good. So there's like that. And maybe if they're so inclined, depending on who they talk to about their giving, maybe they're also sharing that with other donors. And if they do that, then, you know, we've really done something special because then is that peer influence piece. And again, when we say peer influence, we always want to see us all on the same page, but we know if you're hearing from your friend who's donating to orgs and it's you, that's what I mean when I say peer, you're going to, you're going to probably listen to that a little bit as well. So I think we have to, first of all, as a group, continue to advocate and put, put pressure and call out things that we're like, that's not okay. And there's a lot of folks doing that. So this is not okay. It's actually hurting the rest of us. So you yeah. might win, but you're shaving a little bit off for the rest of us, right? And we're trying to move this in a way that we all win. So if you did not, the mindset piece, a lot of charities see it as competition. We've got to work on the mindset of folks. I'm finding that a lot of leaders coming into the space now have that mindset uh, a lot more than I've, I've maybe traditionally found. Yeah. So I think if we can all agree, these are, you know, like we agree, you, you do not have um, performance-based incentive uh, sorry, uh, like based on dollars and cents, like that's, it's not technically illegal, right? But it's it considered highly unethical. So we made this understanding and agreement that we're not going to do that, right? Yeah. I'm correct. Can I? Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not illegal, right? It's not illegal. People, it's not okay. It's not illegal. Sure. But like, yeah. can we just spend, because organizations like you and I both come from professional fundraising backgrounds, right? We're like, you know, are you CFRE? You're CFRE. I'm a CFRE, no? but I, mean, I, did, I didn't do any, go to any schooling, but yeah. But no, but uh, yeah. same, same. CFRE, I didn't take any yeah, yeah. schooling, but like I've always yeah, been yeah. a fundraiser. I have my CFRE, always yeah. done the AFP stuff. And like for anyone listening who's like, what are those acronyms? Don't worry, you don't actually don't need to know about it. But <laughs> um, we're taught in like professional fundraising training, and I'm using air quotes because you can't see me, but like we're taught that that's unethical. And we're telling ourselves that in an echo chamber again, like we're so good at talking to each other in our sector that I can't tell you how many small organizations that don't have professional fundraisers on their team or on their board. The very first thing they ask is, you know, do you work on commission? Very first thing. And so we, again, there's this sort of gap in the conversation. And I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about that because yes, 
it's, it's not considered ethical. Um, and th- that's one of the things that comes up over and over and it stalls small organizations in terms of moving forward with their fundraising. Cause they never put aside money to start to invest in fundraising. Cause they think, Oh, I can just hire someone who will work off commission. And like, you really can't anyone who's been like any professional fundraiser won't do that. So uh, yeah, let's just talk about that for a minute. Okay. I mean, do you mean speaking about like the fact that there's this kind of known thing in our space, but not everybody knows about it. Is that the piece that you're talking exactly. about? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah. how can we ha- even like start to have that conversation? Like, why is it considered unethical? We just, honestly, most of the time people are just like, it's not ethical and like big flashing lights. Mm-hmm. And they don't even take the time to have the conversation. Okay. So that, that's a, a kind of not, another important aspect of this is like, like, how do we, so if in the context of honest fundraising, as well as as, a, as an idea, obviously that idea has permeated through some form. It's been taken on and people have been promoting it. And so, and there's some folks who don't hear about it if they're not in certain circles. So it's like, how do we take, for me, there's a learning there is how do we take concepts that we're tr- actually, we're trying to actively promote out there that how can we follow some of those same mechanisms to get, to release that information and, and get others sort of buying in and learning about it. So that's maybe more of a, an outreach piece, right? Um, as far as the piece around like, yeah, questioning, I mean, uh, I do think there's a lot of things in our sector that we've been doing for so long that we just have to put on the table for discussion and whether mm-hmm. you end up in the same place or not, does everyone actually understand why it's unethical? Or is it one of those things where you're like, um, you know, you sometimes you hear things where someone says something and they get smacked down and they don't, they don't, and they just shut down. And so it's like, if someone were to say that, especially a small organ, I can fully understand why they would not know that in that moment. Is that also being also, is, is there explanation? Is there, is there a conversation about, about that as well? So I think there's a lot of pieces you've identified here around number one, how does something, if you're trying to create a movement or trying to create, create something, how do we permeate that into a broader space, but also who's being excluded in the, in sort of some of the current systems in these conversations and, and are people really understanding it? Or are they just accepting it because they're told it's the way to be? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answers to all those, but. I don't know, but this is it. This is the honest conversations that we have to have with ourselves as much as with our donors. Right. And that's, I think one of the things that I'm taking away from listening to you is that, um, we have, whether, you know, as you said before, like you're the executive director, you're in a position to make these conversations, but other people might not have the authority to do that. And these are conversations we have to have as a sector and we have to have with our donors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like, we need, there's like a few levels, level of that talk. Like I said before, you got to, you, you talk to yourself about this. You talk within your org, we talk as a sector, right. And then, and so we, we have to do it in all those layers to enable the kind of environment as a sector and within our own orgs that we can have these conversations. Because I think a lot of stuff we actually already inherently know in many cases, mm-hmm. we just don't know that we can speak up about it. And I think yeah. I'm kind of really moving towards the fact that we as a sector are doing a disservice to the people who are you know, who are investing and wanting to see change. And we're just like, we're, we're missing, we're and I, yeah, missing an opportunity. Cause I, I do believe that um, they feel closer to the org, right? Mm-hmm. It feels less trend. When we talk about transactional relationships and stuff like that, like they feel, I think oftentimes we feel the only way to get a donor to like understand our, our work is to like show them some up story, show them program piece, like bro, that's, but that's, this is not the truth. Like there's so many complications. And if they're coming from different spaces, if they're coming from running a household, if they run a business, if they're from a government space, like they'll, they can innately understand that too, that it's not just yeah. what you see. There's all the stuff in the background. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. 
Rakesh, thank you so much for this conversation and uh, ongoing conversation, right? This is, this is, I know we're going to be talking about this for years, but it's a really great uh, jumping off point. So I really appreciate it. Where can our listeners connect with you if they want to continue chatting about this or other topics? Yeah, they can. Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my tag is constant changes. Um, and that's, that's how we live in. So almost everything's always changing. Uh, and also can, uh, just connect on LinkedIn, like pretty much I really love to connect with folks and understand different perspectives. So just like, yeah, connect, let's have a chat, especially if you have experienced some of this, so you didn't want to just chat about like, Hey, I'm going through this right now. Let's talk about like, you know, what can I do to, to move this forward? Because I think that's something else. If you have this time space capacity, I have some of that to support others in doing this as well, because we need to have mutual support. So please, yeah, reach out. And thank you, Cindy, for the space to have these conversations and, and get some of these concepts out there. It's really meaningful. My pleasure. Uh, and of course, thank you to our listeners for your incredible work and having those brave conversations, which hopefully don't have to seem so brave and just feel a little bit more normal conversations. So we'll see you next week. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.